You're listening to the Folklore Forum, your place to discuss folk and fairy tales. Hello and welcome to a very special bonus Christmas episode of the Folklore Forum podcast. This is my retelling of the Deacon of Murkow, Icelandic Christmas folktale, or the Deacon of Dark River. Keep listening to this episode to hear the audio version of that story. But if you would like to read the written copy, you can go to the website www.folkloreforum.org and download your free copy of the ebook. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast over the last year. I hope you enjoy this story. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Gladeleg Yol. The Deacon of Dark River by Natalie Guttormsen Read by me, Natalie Guttormsen I've witnessed many strange events in my lifetime, but that December night at Murkow was memorable for a few reasons. For starters, out of all my years stationed in the community of Skagastrund in the far north of Iceland, that winter was the quietest in terms of supernatural activity. In past centuries, a typical winter in Iceland featured many exciting incidents, from troublesome trolls to mischief caused by hidden people to the yuletime monsters that prowled the countryside in the nights leading up to Christmas Day. My job was to ensure none of my kind, the hidden people, caused too much trouble. But it was so quiet that year I had not encountered a single one of my kind, nor been called to investigate any unusual events. That is, until I was roused from my sleep, in the middle of that cold, windy night, two days after Christmas. My farmhand, Jón, stood in the little doorway of my turf house, his tattered cloak pulled tight around him. They need a galderman over at Murkow, he said through chattering teeth. What is a galderman, you ask? See, back then, the Icelanders believed in magic, and men who were skilled in magic were called magic men, or galdramen. I am not, and was not, a magic man, though I do think outside the box. I can also do things that humans cannot, which is why they call upon me in circumstances of the strange or terrifying. I ushered Yon inside to keep the arctic air out of my house. Say more, I urged him as I dressed for the cold. Something to do with Guthrun of Bayesau. She's haunted or or hunted. I didn't really understand. Only that it's urgent. I sighed. Sometimes humans frustrated me in their inability to relay clear memories. But I also counted on that ignorance to live amongst them without raising suspicion. Give me your hand, I said once I dressed. Yon gave me his hand. He was used to this by now. I placed my hands around his and allowed his memories to flood over me. I saw the farmer riding as fast as his small horse could carry him over the snowy, rocky terrain. I heard the terror in the man's voice as he relayed his message to Jón. Send the Galdermann. It's urgent. Guðrun is in trouble. 
The deacon has risen from the grave. The deacon? Risen from the grave? I'd met the deacon on two occasions before. He was a good man. We hadn't heard of his passing, which meant word couldn't have reached us until now because of the poor weather. Something must be terribly wrong for them to seek me out. I had encountered many monsters, but never a deacon risen from the dead. I released Joan's hand. Get me my horse. Joan nodded and left the house. The deacon of Murgau would not terrorize anyone for much longer. It was about a two-day ride from my home to Murgau. The first day's ride over the mountains was brutal, but just as I reached the top of the peaks, the weak winter sun peered over the distant mountain tops. It was enough to offer encouragement and a whisper of warmth before sinking back down below the horizon. During the descent into Skagafjord, I returned beneath the cover of the clouds again, making the air warmer. There was a faint brightness because of the snow-covered ground. The distant water below was as black as a mountain cave. Not even a wave crest was visible in the distance. I spent the night at a farmstead that was accustomed to hosting me on a spur of a moment's notice. They believed my visits brought good luck to the farm, and I always came with gifts. The next day I continued my journey, this time riding along the valley floor, making my way towards Murkow. When the turf homes near the church became visible, there was little movement save a few horses outside. This was my destination. When I knocked on the door, I had to speak my name and who I wished to see. It was a clever trick. The Icelanders believed that demons, ghosts, trolls, and hidden people could not say the name of God, or the Icelandic names that began with God, or Guð. But since I articulated the name Guðrun, which led them to throw open the door and welcome me inside with open arms, they were clearly mistaken about my kind. These farmers knew my reputation and were grateful to have a Galdorman come to their aid. I could tell from the air around these people that they were indeed terrified, but by what exactly? I needed to find out. They explained how the deacon had been courting the fair Guthrun of Biasau. He had been so excited to invite her to Christmas Eve dinner, he rode to her farm two weeks before to relay his invitation. That was the last time anyone saw him alive. Two days later, one farmer found the deacon's horse, Faxi, wandering in the fields nearby riderless. This farmer spoke of how the river had been a torrent of ice and glacial water. It was easy to understand how the deacon could have fallen through the ice and drowned. They searched for a short time before they found the deacon's body, washed up downstream with a large wound in the back of his skull. The dangerous water meant that no one could cross to notify Guthrun of the tragic accident. While the servants had diligently buried him in the churchyard, the deacon had risen anyway to fulfill his unfinished business. He'd rode on his horse to meet Guthrun on Christmas Eve, as he had promised. She'd thought he was collecting her for the party, while in reality he was collecting her for the grave. It was by unknown luck that she had escaped. 
Now, the poor girl could not be left alone. Each night the deacon rose and tried to claim his love for the afterlife. The poor servants were exhausted. There were only so many more nights they could fight off the deacon's ghost. Where is Guther now? I asked. They all pointed to the ceiling, indicating she was upstairs. One of the younger women beckoned me to follow her down a dark hallway towards a wooden ladder that descended from the ceiling. She had to duck to enter the room with the ladder, but my five-foot height passed easily into the room. I followed her up the ladder into a dimly lit passage. There were two rooms off the passage, opposite the other. The woman entered the room on the right. Inside was a young woman sitting on the edge of a small bed in the corner. For having ridden with death and nearly dragged into her own early grave repeatedly for almost a week, I was impressed by how strong this woman appeared. Her face was blank, and she barely acknowledged our presence. Gudrun, the Galdraman is here, the young woman said gently, touching her hand to Gudrun's shoulder. All I needed was Gudrun's hand. She had seen what I needed to see. I moved closer, and Gudrun lifted her hand in the air, offering it to me without glancing at me. The memories came when I placed my hand on hers. It all started two weeks before Christmas. The deacon had arrived at her door unexpectedly for coffee. He invited her to his home for a Christmas Eve feast. Her heart soared at the invitation, for she loved him. Dreams of an engagement had filled her mind after he left, riding off on his dark grey horse, his black cloak flapping in the wind behind him. Two weeks passed, and she had grown anxious. No visitors had come their way from the direction of Murkow, so she assumed all was well and that her love would appear as he promised. On the afternoon of Christmas Eve, she had dressed and prepared her hair for the party. A bit later than expected, a knock came at the door. Her mother had gone to answer it, but no guest was visible in the darkness. The moon was half hidden by a cloud, casting many shadows across the field surrounding the house. No one is here. It must have been the wind. Gudrun thought nothing of it and continued to get ready. Another knock came. Her mother opened the door again and peered out. She saw nothing, but she thought she heard a horse snort in the air. I don't see anyone, she said nervously. Gudrun was certain it must be the deacon, and he was waiting, outside to allow her time to finish getting ready. It is the deacon waiting for me, she declared. Enjoy the evening, mother. Don't worry about me. In her excitement, Gudrun went out the door as she tried to swing her coat over her. She only had one arm through the sleeve when the deacon reached down and lifted her up onto the horse behind him. She swung the rest of her coat over her other shoulder in haste, like a cape, and threw her arms around his waist so as not to fall off as they raced away into the night. They barely spoke as they rode through the darkness, but she didn't mind. She held his frame as the horse raced across the uneven terrain, but something felt different to her even then. She had not held the deacon so closely before, but he had always had a pleasant smell to him. 
The scent of smoked meat usually hung on his cloak, but on that night he smelled of moist earth, as if he had been rolling in the mud before coming to collect her. Yet his cloak seemed clean. As the horse carried them to the river, the horse paused, trying to pick its way across the ice. In its dance to find footing, Guthrun and the deacon were slammed forward on the horse, so far that the deacon's hat slid forward on his face, revealing the back of his head. Guthrun was about to comment on the rough ride when she looked up at what should have been the hair on the back of the deacon's head. But as she looked up, the full moon slipped from its place behind a cloud and revealed a bright spot of white bone sticking out from the hair. She also saw a dried, goopy material in his hair that looked like dried blood. She gasped. The deacon readjusted his hat, then glanced over his shoulder at the horror in her face. She heard his voice powerful in the night air. The moon does not hide, as the dead wildly ride. See the light on the bone in the back of my head, Garun, Garun. He grinned, then turned back to steer his horse onwards into the night. Guthrun held on for dear life, afraid of what she'd just seen and heard, but fearful of what would happen if she fell from the speeding horse. Her love had a wound on his head and could not speak her name. She knew the dead and evil creatures could not speak her name. Him saying Gaurun instead of Gedrun could only mean one thing. Faxi the horse slowed down only when they reached the little church at Murkow. She wondered why they were stopping at the church instead of the deacon's home. He dismounted, then held his arms to help her too. She let him touch her, the smell of earth growing stronger with each breath she inhaled. He spoke again in an ominous poem that sent a chill down her spine. It was the deacon's voice, but the tone was all wrong. It was cold and unfeeling. All the usual warmth was gone. Wait here, Garun, Garun, while I settle faxi faxi across the yard, the yard. She watched him lead the horse across the edge of the churchyard until her eyes spotted a horrific sight. A freshly dug grave was visible nearby, a gaping deep black hole in the ground, close to the gate where she stood. She understood her reality. This specter was not her deacon, but a ghostly version of him. He must have fallen from his horse since she had last seen him, but when? She did the first thing she could think of, which was to pull the rope on the bell above her head. She clanged it as hard and fast as she could to arouse the alarm and hoped desperately that someone would hear her and come to her aid. But the deacon heard the bell too and was racing toward her. His pale white fingers reached out to grab her arm, but they latched around her cloak instead, the sleeve that did not contain her arm. As he tugged, keen to drag her to the open grave, she spun around and slipped her other arm free. The deacon had not noticed, and dragged her cloak with him into the open pit. 
She watched in horror as he and her cloak disappeared into the hole, the earth around it caving in over him. At that moment, several servants from Murgau came running out to the source of the bell. They looked to the pile of freshly moved dirt, to the shivering coatless Guthrun. They each made the sign of the cross, then pulled her along to the nearest turf house. No one said a word until back inside the safety of the home and its dirt walls. I thought we buried him. We did, insisted the young priest. You poor girl. Here, sit closer to the fire and wrap up in this blanket. I released Guthrun's hand. When Guthrun looked in my direction, her tired eyes pleaded with me. Help him, she whispered. Oh, your deacon is far off, somewhere better. Whatever is in that body is darkness. Don't pity it. Guthrun looked relieved by my words. It comes every night, the servant girl said. It taunts her from the windows. Through the chimney, it spooks the animals. Oh, I do hope you can help us, Galderman. Please, call me Agner. Through the memories, I had a somewhat clear idea of what this being was capable of. But it was always difficult to judge true strength. Humans were so weak compared to my kind. This wouldn't be the first demon I'd fought, though it was the first demon deacon. And it was never pleasant. Guthrun, Elskin, would you swap your blanket for my cloak? I assure you it will be warmer. Guthrun nodded and slipped the blanket from her shoulders. She wrapped my cloak around hers and immediately looked calmer. I held the blanket in my hands. Her scent was all over it. It was exactly what I needed to fool the demon deacon. Stay here. This will all be over soon, I assured her. I descended the ladder with the blanket over my shoulders and went back to the group gathered at the front of the house. How long, I asked them. About an hour, said the young priest. Good, I nodded to him. All of you stay inside, no matter what you hear. They began talking amongst themselves as I headed out into the darkness. They weren't sure I would succeed. Sure, I had a reputation, but now that they saw me in the flesh, how could a man so small best a demon, they wondered. Those doubts always made me grin, because the answer was always the same. I'm not human either. I made my way to the churchyard, scanning the ground for the largest stone I could see. Near to the edge of the church was the perfect massive stone. It was a flat rectangle with a hollow dip in the top. I made my way over to the stone and lifted one edge. It was heavy, but not too heavy for me. I rolled it over to the cemetery. My plan was not original. I had done it before. The demon had to rise to fulfill its mission. Once it did, I would wrestle it back into the hole and slide the massive stone slab over the top to prevent it ever rising again. I was ready, with what I guessed was a few minutes to spare. I spotted Faxi in the field, flitting his tail in expectation. The moon was bright and the clouds had scattered, revealing a few stars in the ink-black sky. As I waited, I reflected on how excited I was to face this creature. 
For centuries I had meddled in human affairs, battling magical creatures of all sorts. And for the first time in history, it felt empty in the human world. Winter used to be a time when hidden folk of all kinds would venture out to reward, prank, abduct, confuse, entertain, and even impersonate humans. But decade by decade, more and more hidden folk were returning home to our realm, disillusioned by the changing world of humans. There were rumors the queen of the hidden realm would call everyone home soon. I hadn't yet decided if I would obey or not. I did not like to follow the rules. But a sound close to the church startled me out of my reverie. It was the sound of dirt moving. It was showtime. I leapt over the low wall that surrounded the cemetery and took up my position, leaning against it, watching the dirt slide off the grave into two piles, one on either side. The demon deacon sat up, dusted the dirt from his shoulders, removed his cap to shake the dirt from his hair and hat, then stood up and climbed out of the grave. He put his hat back on and glanced around the cemetery and churchyard. I watched as he sniffed the air, then turned his face to look at me, draped in the blanket. I was about the same size and height of Guthrun and kept my face hidden to keep the deacon fooled. In the darkness, I could see his pale face break into a smile. The speed with which he reached me was unnatural. Definitely not the true deacon. Garun, Garun, he whispered, grabbing my arm with a strength that was beyond human as well, but not too strong for me. I allowed him to guide me, noting his confidence and how he smelled of wet, musty earth, but not decay. As we drew nearer to the edge of the grave, I prepared myself for action. We stood there, his arm linked in mine. When the clouds moved and the moonlight hit my face, the deacon saw I was not Guthrun, and he hissed. He moved to pull away, his gaze finding the nearby house, but I held him fast in my grip. Whatever was inside the deacon, working his corpse, was surprised by my strength. I threw off the blanket and pulled the demon deacon close. Leave Guthrun alone, I commanded. He hissed in my face, this time, and attempted to push me into the open grave. I spun on the edge of the grass, using the momentum of his push to swing him around, tossing him into the hole in the ground instead. As he fell backward, I threw the blanket over him and watched the dirt fall into place over top. Next, I slid the massive stone over the grave to prevent the demon deacon from climbing out again. I wiped my brow and waited listening for any sounds that might indicate the task wasn't over. But all was quiet, and I knew the job was done. The world returned to the quiet emptiness I had felt before. The rush left my body. I made my way back to the house to report the news. Guthrun smiled and gave me a long hug. I told her to keep my cloak, which she thanked me for, before disappearing upstairs to sleep at last. The guests offered me food and lodging, but I declined. All I wanted was to get on my horse and ride back to my station in solitude. 
Once I extracted myself from the thanks of the servants, I went to find my horse and spotted a tall hooded figure standing there. Could it be another specter? Come to punish me for putting the deacon to rest? I was on high alert until I came close enough to catch his smell. I was on high alert until I came close enough to catch the smell of old books, fir trees, and lingering fire smoke that could only belong to one person of that size. Agner, you look awful, said the voice. I just wrestled a demon, Ulver. What's your excuse? I replied, excited to see my old friend. Ulver laughed, removing his hood to reveal long, dark hair and a short, dark beard, scattered with white on a pale face. Good to see you too, Agner. Can't be that good if you're here. What is it? Ulver was not the type to just drop by for a chat. I saw your handiwork down there, he said, gesturing towards the church. Well done. Thanks. You didn't want to help? I was on standby, but you didn't seem to need any. No, I didn't. Now quit dodging the question. Why are you here? The queen is calling everyone in. Calling everyone in. I knew the rumors were true. I knew better than most that it was no longer safe for hidden people to live amongst the humans. The developments of science, industry, and religion had pushed us to the edges of the earthly world. No longer needed, respected, or admired as we once were. And now, even on the edges, most of us were no longer welcome. I seemed to be the exception. I thought we could return together, Ilver said. Very well, I'm ready, I declared. Let the great migration begin. We both mounted our horses and set out back down the valley and over the mountains to my modest home. It was time to leave this world behind for now. Do you want more folklore in your life? Join our free Folklore Fridays membership where you'll receive extra insight into folklore and history, notifications of new podcast episodes, first access to new worksheets, blog posts, and resources, and exclusive short stories written by me, Natalie Gatormson. Plus, it's your chance to share your comments and ideas that help shape future episodes of the podcast. Join Folklore Fridays by visiting www.folkloreforum.org forward slash Fridays.